so today we are continuing our sermon series entitled Undistracted. Distractions can cause us to lose focus, direction, energy, and purpose. Last week, we focused on God's purpose for our lives using the image of a puzzle. And if we are distracted in our purpose and in what God is designed for our lives, it's like trying to put a thousand-piece puzzle together by starting with the middle pieces. It's very difficult and frustrating to start that way. Fortunately, as Tyler pointed out, God has already started that frame of our puzzle for our lives and given us the four sides, the four sides being image bearer, we bear the image of God, love of God and neighbor, making disciples, and doing justice and loving mercy. From one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Micah 6, 8. With this frame, we can then start to assemble that puzzle and start to make sense of that puzzle of our lives. What are we doing here? What are we supposed to be doing? But that requires a faith and a belief in what God has called us to be and do as well. When we get distracted in our faith, we can lose sight of those things, and the puzzle can go ignored. Life can seem unfulfilling and full of anxiety and stress, wondering, what am I doing here? What am I supposed to be doing? And we become distanced from God. So today we want to look at being undistracted, in our faith. Let us pray. God, you are great. You are wonderful. You are mighty. You are merciful. Thank you for this opportunity to stand and proclaim your word. May your Holy Spirit open your open our hearts and our minds to the words you would have us to hear. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Jesus, Peter, James, and John approached the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and legal experts arguing with them. Suddenly, the whole crowd caught sight of Jesus. They ran to greet him, overcome with excitement. Jesus said to them, what are you arguing about? Someone from the crowd responded, Teacher, I brought my son to you since he has a spirit that doesn't allow him to speak. Whenever it overpowers him, it throws him into a fit. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and stiffens up. So I spoke to your disciples to see if they could throw it out, but they couldn't. Jesus answered them, You faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought him. 
When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a fit. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been going on? He said, since he was a child. It has often thrown him into a fire or into water, trying to kill him. If you can do anything, help us. Show us compassion. Jesus said, if you can do anything, all things are possible for the one who has faith. At that point, the, father, the boy's father cried out, I have faith. Help my lack of faith. Noticing that the crowd had surged together, Jesus spoke harshly to the unclean spirit. Mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After screaming and shaking the boy horribly, the spirit came out. The boy seemed to be dead. In fact, several people said that he had died. But Jesus took his hand, lifted him up, and he arose. After Jesus went into a house, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we throw this spirit out? Jesus answered, Throwing this kind of spirit out requires prayer. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Distractions can come at us from anywhere and everywhere. We become distracted when our focus is drawn away from what we're doing and on to something else, kind of like Tyler talking about bumping into the car in front of him in the carpool line when he was distracted by his phone. When I was young, my, my mom signed me up for swimming lessons at the local junior college. Uh, the, the college had this enormous Olympic-sized swimming pool. And they had a shallow portion on each end with a big 10-foot deep section in the middle for diving. So that's where we took our swim lessons. Fortunately, we were only subjected to swimming across the pool, the width of the pool. We didn't have to go the length. Um, that was a blessing in, in and of itself. Uh, so during one particular lesson one summer, we were working on the backstroke. Now, I love the backstroke because that meant I could keep my face out of the water. I didn't have to worry about this whole uh, rhythm of, okay, got to breathe, breathe, you know, that sort of thing with the, the other kind of thing. I'm, I'm on my back, and I'm just loving it. Well, this particular day, I was swimming in the, of course, we were in the shallow end on one end of the pool. And I was swimming on the, what would be the border between the shallow end and the deep end. Now, normally there were ropes that were put up that kind of separated, you know, the shallow end from the deep end. But that particular day, they had taken the ropes down for a competition. Now, I should also point out that one of the, thing, one of the drawbacks, I think, to the backstroke is you're looking up. You have no sense kind of... Your light, you're, you're going that way. You have no sense of where you're going. So I'm doing my backstroke, man. I'm in the groove. I'm feeling like I should really be at the edge by now. Something's not right. 
So I decide, okay, I'm going to stop and just you know, kind of stand up and, and kind of get my bearings and see where I'm at. I stop. Little did I know I had meandered into the deep section. And in that moment, I panicked. I was freaking out. I came up spluttering, trying to stay above water. I got distracted by the thought of drowning and lost all my faith in recovering to get back to the edge, which actually was just a few feet from me. I wasn't that far from the edge. Fortunately, the instructor was able to jump in and, and pull me out. Unfortunately, though, he had come to the lesson that day dressed for a job interview that he was going to have right after the swim lessons. So needless to say, I did not win the favorite student award that particular summer. But I, I, I illustrate that because it shows how I let my circumstances and my situation distract me from what I was supposed to be doing, swimming. Instead, I started to drown. And when it comes to our faith, we get distracted by several things, and, and one of those being circumstances and, and situations, but also fear, doubt, regret, worry, shame. All those things can cause us to lose our attention on God and shift our focus to something else. These other things cause us to be distracted. We forget that we are image bearers, that one edge of our puzzle, and we become distanced from God. We lose sight of the bigger picture of what it is that we're supposed to be doing. We try to substitute things of the world, thinking that, well, maybe this will fix it. Maybe this will solve it. Maybe this will help me. Life no longer makes sense because we end up using the wrong pieces for our puzzle. In, in my particular instance, in my particular circumstance and situation, uh, in that swimming incident, I forgot what I had been taught and let my circumstances and my situation distract me. I could have stopped for a minute and said, okay, Remember how to recover, remember how to tread water, remember how to relax and get back into swimming. But I didn't. And we see that even in the disciples in our lesson here this morning. This particular situation distracted them from what they had been empowered to do back in Mark chapter 3. That passage describes where Jesus called the 12 disciples, and in verses 14 and 15, he tells them that he appointed them to be with him, to be sent out to preach, and to have authority to throw out demons. They had been given what they needed. But when a difficult situation arose that challenged them and distracted them from their faith, they forgot it. 
Like me, they let their circumstances overwhelm them and become distracted. When, and we all know we're going to face difficult situations in life, right? Life is not this nice, easy road that we're walking on. There are challenges that come up. Things happen. But when we get distracted in those circumstances, we can find ourselves at a point of desperation. And we end up crying out like the Father, I have faith, help my lack of faith. And we see in that cry of the Father the distraction of doubt. He was desperate. He was exasperated, trying to get help for his son. He claims he has faith. He had to have some faith because he brought his son to Jesus to be healed. But he admitted that his faith was not enough. Doubt had settled into his mind. Now, I want to be careful here because doubt is not always a bad thing. Stick with me for just a moment. It can serve us well when we approach it the right way. Ironically, doubt can actually help our faith grow. Because it brings us to a point where we have to cry out for help. When I realized that I wasn't going to be able to correct myself, that I was about to drown, I called out for help. I realized I couldn't do it by myself. We can always call out to Jesus when our faith feels lacking when we feel doubt coming on. Now, sometimes that can come in the form of prayer. Jesus pointed out at the, the end of the passage, the only way this kind of spirit can be thrown out is through prayer. Prayer is the way that we draw close to God. When we talk, when we have intimate conversations with each other, we draw closer together. In the same way, when we pray, we draw closer to God. We hear God. We listen to God. And he guides us through that land of doubt. I often find myself kind of singing an old hymn. My my parents loved music especially old hymns. My dad was a choir director for many years. My mom played piano. And there was, there's an old hymn that I go to so often called Sweet Hour of Prayer, especially when I feel distracted, when I feel doubt coming on, and I feel like maybe I'm distanced from God. Hear the the words of the opening stanzas of, of this song, this hymn, if you're not familiar with it. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls us from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft 
Escape the tempter's snare by thy return. Sweet hour of prayer. What a beautiful picture that draws. Prayer can take us out of this world where cares and distress and grief are distracting us. Through prayer, we reconnect with God who is the source of our strength. When we pray regularly, we begin, we're, we're able to hear the voice of God kind of directing us and helping us and understand this puzzle that we have called life. Prayer silences those other voices in our head that are distracting us as well, saying that we're not good enough. You can't do this. What do you think you're doing? Prayer can help eliminate that doubt. We are reminded that we are loved by God. We, through Jesus and his sacrifice, are made righteous, redeemed, worthy, worthy to approach God with our wants and our wishes, worthy to cry out, Abba, Father, when we feel overwhelmed by life. When we pray openly and honestly to God, we find relief and escape from the distractions that are drawing us away from God. Doubt can become bad when we allow it then to paralyze us cause us to become distracted in our faith. The father, like I said, he, he obviously believed Jesus could heal his son. Otherwise, why is he here to begin with? But there were lingering doubts that he acknowledged that he even himself could not overcome. He needed Jesus to not only heal his son's infirmity, but also his faith as well. Notice he says, help us. Have mercy on us, not help me or help him. Help us. They both needed healing. They both needed deliverance. When doubt creeps in, we shouldn't panic. We shouldn't start flailing around like we're about to drown. Doubt doesn't necessarily mean a lack of faith because faith and doubt can actually live and exist together, as odd as that may sound. We need not fear doubt, but how we handle doubt matters. When doubts and questions arise, we we begin to ask questions, and we shouldn't be afraid to ask questions. God's not going to strike us down or be offended because we ask these tough questions. If you look at the Bible, there's so many examples of people coming to God with those difficult questions. Why, God? Why are you doing this? Where are you, God? Why have you abandoned us? Read the Psalms. They are so full of people asking those tough questions and expressing doubt and frustration. Now, one way we can become undistracted in this, uh, we we talked about prayer and and being in Scripture uh, to some degree, but another way is 
just talking to a trusted friend. Find somebody you trust that knows Scripture, that is willing to sit in that tension between faith and doubt and wrestle with those questions with you. Because, folks, Christianity is not done in a vacuum. We don't do it alone. It's done in a chorus of voices over the millennia who have faced and are facing similar doubts, similar questions, similar problems. You're not the first, and you won't be the last. You'll be surprised at how God will show up in those moments when you allow yourself to become vulnerable with another and help you get undistracted. Now, we've got to be careful, though, with other voices because there, there can be other voices that, that can speak to us that are contrary to those four sides. They can try to distract us from those. No, you don't need to, to love neighbor. That neighbor's different from you. They look different from you. They worship different from you. They love different from you. You don't need any, to do anything with them. It goes against that one side, love God and neighbor. You can do it yourself. You've got all, humanity's got all they need. They don't, you don't need God. We forget we're image bearers. You see, the, the legal experts, the minute that the disciples failed to cast out the demon, the legal experts lit in on them. And the disciples then became further distracted by their voices. As they got louder and louder, I imagine they attempted multiple times trying to cast this demon out and couldn't do it. And each time, the ridicule probably got louder and louder. And I'm sure the father had voices in his own mind telling him that he's not good enough. You're not a good father. Why did you let your son get to this point? Why can't you do something? But so the question is, do we listen to those, those voices that are telling us we're not enough, that we can do it ourselves? Or do we turn to God? Do we trust in the voice of Jesus that declares we are righteous and loved and that we are enough, reminding us that we are the image bearers of Christ? I believe the biggest distractions, though, in our faith are probably fear and shame. We all have that in our lives. The disciples must have really felt this when they failed to heal the boy, the fear and the shame must have gripped them, especially when they saw Jesus coming. Like, uh-oh, boss is coming, we're in trouble. Just like fear, or just like doubt, rather, fear and shame can paralyze us in our faith. Because our faith is distracted, we fear we can't do or be what God is calling us to do or be. Excuses start rolling in our minds. I can't afford to do that. I don't have the talent for that. 
we forget that God is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. We get scared when God calls us to do something uncomfortable. Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't have enough courage to do that. I love what author Susan David says in her book, Emotional Agility. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is fear walking. Say that again. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is fear walking. We can put faith in there in that phrase as well in place of courage. Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is fear walking. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have all we need to be who God made us to be. We no longer have to feel ashamed of who we are because not and who we were because we are forgiven. We don't have to worry about tomorrow for tomorrow is in God's hands. We see, when we live in regret of the things that we've done, we're living in the past. When we live in worry about the future, we're, uh, in what's coming, we, we're living in the future. That takes us away from being fully present in the here and the now with God and with each other. If we turn to Jesus through prayer, through scripture, through conversations with others, we can become undistracted and begin to put the puzzle pieces of our life together. I want to close out this morning with a beautiful chorus that I used to sing, sing it many times in, in choir when I was younger. And I'm going to get you to help me out with it. Okay. I'll sing it through one time, and then I want you to join me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Would you join me? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. the circumstances, the voices, the doubt, 
the fear and the shame that try to distract us in our faith. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.